0: So the other day I was at a White Sox game with one of my friends and she was talking about the fact that her grandmother had just passed away. And we started talking about the interesting importance of understanding death. And this is something that we definitely do not talk about very much, especially in the United States. So today I'm going to get into that. Welcome to Meredith with a Y. Stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so there's been a couple things surrounding death recently that it seems like we're starting to, I'm starting to vortex the concept for some reason. And It started like with a post that I had made, a video I had made with someone. um, It was actually their post on a video and they were talking about the ridiculousness of the money and the time and the makeup and hair and embalming and da-da-da-da-da of funerals. And I have always thought this. I have always thought that the way that we deal with a dead body to be perfectly honest with you in the United States is completely bizarro. Like why in the world are we spending all of this time, money, and energy on preserving something that if you really look at it, you would want to go back to the ground, back to earth, so to speak, and not necessarily preserved. And for what reason? I mean, it's very bizarre. And if you leave the United States and you go to more indigenous third world countries, for example, I've been to Bali and I've talked about going to India. It is a much more natural process honoring the person, but not preserving the body for any reason. And, all you know, there's expense, I'm Sure. For example, in India, you have to pay for the wood, and it's there's you know you could pay for expensive wood to burn the body or cheap wood wood to burn the body, and then there's the oils. It's a whole thing, um, and it is very there's a lot of customs and you know religion and spirituality and the family, like the whole thing's happening, but in a very different direction than what we do in the United States. And so, for those of you that are listening outside of the U.S. As a general rule, we have um, a couple different ways in the United States that we do funerals. So you could do like a viewing where they, you know, if it's possible to have the loved one made up to look like they did when they were quote alive. So lots of makeup, the hair is done, they give them a nice outfit. They arrange the body in a certain way, put them in a very expensive casket usually. Um, everyone goes up to this body and it says their final goodbyes. There's flowers, thousands and thousands of dollars usually of flowers around um, the dead body to honor the family and the dead person. And then you could have a church service to remember the person. And then usually you go to a cemetery. The cemetery you've paid for a plot, of dirt in the ground and they have dug it up. And a lot of times they put like a piece of uh, uh, like, I think it's cement. I'm not really sure. And then the casket goes and gets put down inside of this cement you know, lid is put on top of the cement to preserve the casket, which is preserving the body and the embalming fluids are preserving the body. And then they cover the body up with dirt. And then we pay a lot of money for a headstone and you have one or two types of people, family members that either do go visit the cemetery or don't. And the situation can cost upwards of, you know, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, Ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, depending on what kind of headstone, what kind of coffin, what kind of quote unquote party you have, luncheons, et cetera, for the family who's attending this funeral. All the while, the dead person does not give a shit because the dead person is dead as far as this life is concerned and is in spirit watching looking back going god this is kind of crazy look at all this money you could buy a house with that you could literally pay for you know many other things besides this preservation of my meat suit and so We, you know, I've, I've been really interested in, you know, what are our options in the United States as far as disposing of a dead body, because there are rules. I mean, you can't just dig a hole in your backyard and be like, yeah, um, mom didn't make it. So she's behind the garage and we just put her back there. Not allowed to do that. Not allowed to have a cremation ceremony in your backyard. And frowned upon, frowned upon. And so there are other options. My stepdad and I were talking about the fact that he has donated his body to like medical school or science. And so they take the body when your loved one has passed. They take whatever parts they want to study or deal with or whatever it is, they cremate the remains of the body and then send that back to the family. and it's zero dollars. So you have a, a you're, you're helping science, you're helping the medical community. And this is a $0 expense. And then it's up to you what kind of, if you do want to have a celebration of life, luncheon or dinner or party or barbecue, whatever it is that you want to do. But the actual processing out of the body is zero, zero dollars There's also a new thing where you can have your loved one made into a diamond or made into mulch and then planted with a tree. You know, there's all sorts of new creative ways to handle you know, the quote funeral, if you will. And I see this changing because if you drive, if you drive anywhere in the United States and see the, you know, the cemeteries around anywhere, okay. First of all, they take up so much land. It's absolutely unbelievable. So, there's a Rose Hill Cemetery here in Chicago, and I'm pulling up because it, there's, it's very interesting information. It's the largest cemetery in the city and consists of large Civil War and firefighter memorials, but there's like all of these humongous, like acres and acres and miles and miles and miles and miles, and miles of cemeteries that take make up the be, the middle of town and towns and waterfronts and so on and so forth. So what are we doing if we're sitting there bitching that we don't have enough space? We don't have enough land, which if you've ever driven cross country, and I made this point before here, we have plenty of land in the United States. We just don't use it all. And people don't, you know, we only pay attention to the towns, but I digress. So what, how many, like, there's people dying constantly. Are we just going to keep doing this? Are we just going to keep filling up the ground with these caskets? And I saw a video the other day, it was a while ago, and it was a mausoleum. And I'm hoping I'm saying in New Jersey. Oh, so a mausoleum, right? So this is a a mausoleum is a building and there's walls hallways. And in the hallways, there's drawers and these drawers go, you know, five drawers tall and you pull the drawer out and there's a coffin inside of it. And when you go to this mausoleum, look it up, the coffins and skeletons, and it's been filled with water from, you know, whatever. And the drawers are all pulled out. I mean, it is a complete shit show no one's taking care of this mausoleum. So what the hell, what are we doing? And and now, you know, you look in Egypt and they just like exhumed and like, oh, well, we found a tomb and we just took out all these bodies. What? So do we care? Or do we not care? Or do we only care while someone's looking? It, it, it's what, right? And I think that when you look at the insanity that is the way that, especially like I'm going to focus on America, which is probably then also Canada, you know, the the Western civilization of the way we do things. When you look at what we're doing, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. It's a lot of, you know, arm's length away from death, it's a lot of focusing on the planning, the, the chaos, the party, the coffin, and not a lot of dealing with what is actually happening, having that very connected moment with the person that has passed away and your own mortality and death, right? I mean, that's what we're really doing. We're we're creating this bubble of chaos, this bubble of planning and organizing and honoring, I'm going to go there too, I guess, honoring this person that has died in this very plastic way. And like, if you were to look at the way they do this in Varanasi in India, it is very intimate, the family prepares the body. Um, You have, I I would assume some sort of, you know, religious leader come and help. The body is prepared. It is, you know, covered in oils and flowers and wrapped very carefully. The family carries the body that has been wrapped down to the Ganga River where a ceremony is held and the wood has been purchased by the family that is going to cremate this Person of the family. And it is very, very hands-on and intimate. Whereas in the United States, even if someone dies in your home, you call a coroner, they come get it, you're 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 almost whisked into another room so as to not have to endure the pain of the fact that your loved one just passed away. Then they take them to the morgue and you don't see usually that person again until they look like they're going to prom and it's all like they never died ish in ski and sort of now they're in this pretty box and there's flowers distraction 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 and we aren't really you know we put up Videos of them when they were alive and photos and all this other stuff. And everyone tries to be like, oh my God, like we love this so much and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm never going to die. So none of this matters. Right. There's no intimacy with death. And I will tell you that being intimate with death, being shaking hands with it, like I've said here before. You know, when you shake hands with death because of an illness, because of a diagnosis, because of living with someone who is having a long death, you know, like Alzheimer's or dementia or, you know, whatever the illness is where it's this long drawn out process of dying experience, until you've become very intimate with that, you are very hands-off a lot of times in what I can see from people. You are very hands-off of life because we tend to believe that we are going to live forever, that we can always go on the trip next year or when we retire or when we do this, then we'll start doing that. And I do believe that it is because we are so hands-off, we are so afraid of, we are so in denial of and separate from the death experience, our own mortality, that we live inside of the bubble that ours is never coming And there's a book called the Tibetan book of death. that really talks about how important your death is to your life. And I was just talking to someone the other day and they were saying that they went, they went for a whole week to their, their parents' house and their parents are probably now in their, you know, mid seventies. And they went to visit their mom and dad and said, you know, look, we we really need to get your stuff in order because, you know, it would be unfair to mom if you died, it'd be unfair to dad. If you died, it'd be unfair to the kids, us, when you both die, if this is a complete shit show. And she was there all week, meeting with attorneys, organizing documents, you know, mortgages and insurance policies and the whole thing. And at the end of all of that, at the end of all of her hard work, the dad looks at her and says, you know, I'm glad that we got this in order. I think I'm going to wait another couple of years before I actually finalize this and create an estate plan. What? what? And she's like, you, you've got to be kidding me. I've been here all week. I left my family for a whole week to come handle this with you and get this, you know, shit done so that this is in order for, you know, and it's handled, but people do not want to face their mortality. And let me tell you what, guys, if you handle your estate plan, you know, making a will or putting, you know, beneficiaries in place and, you know, uh, you know, getting the legal documents, a living will, healthcare power of attorney, financial powers of attorney, things of that, that does not mean you're going to die. It just means that you have everything in place and you have a plan so that your family is not running around in case something does happen. Because let me tell you what, no one listening to this right now is planning on dying this week. But that does not mean it's not going to happen. God forbid. But it will happen. And the fact that we pretend like it's never going to happen, I believe, keeps us a prisoner of a lie. It keeps us a prisoner in a bubble that is not reality, and it's keeping us from truly living. Mm, I love that. Not paying attention to or honoring the fact that we are mortal prevents us from truly living. And so, the kind of the video that actually that inspired this today podcast, which is totally left to center of what I normally do, but it's still in line with who I am, was is a woman that I, I did a video with, I duetted her on TikTok, and she's in her late stages of cancer. It looks like an illness of some sort. She has bald, a bald head and her hashtag was F cancer. So I'm assuming that that's what's happening. And she is talking about in this video that she is going to give advice because She is in a very interesting position to be able to give advice. She is in her end stages of life. She is very young and she has perspective. And that's what this podcast right now is about here, right? Is perspective. We need to change our perspective on our death experience, our life experience, our living experience. We need to have that moment of clarity. And most of us do not have any clarity with regard to that at all. Zero clarity. We do not want clarity, actually. We fight the clarity of mortality. We are in perfect denial of our mortality. Even if we watch someone die, that is their mortality. It has nothing to do with us, right? And so I did a video myself a while back with regard to spirit and spirit had said to me by way of this client meeting, it was like, you know, you guys need to have way more fun. You need to dance, 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 dance in your kitchen, dance at the wedding, dance at your kid's birthday party, dance in the rain, dance, movement, dance, celebration, right? And people are like, oh my God, life is not about dancing. Yeah, like that is such yes. Like what, like what kind of life are you talking about? Dance. I mean, that is so. and oh And people gave me a lot of pushback that I had mentioned that Spirit said to dance. Which why everyone's so angry about that? I don't know, but whatever. And so this woman that I did a video with, or do edit her, so that's what they call it. She her first bit of advice in her um, videos that she's doing she said to dance dance while you can dance dance while you can dance sway do whatever it is while you can and i think about that all the time when i go for a walk i used to think about all that time all the time when i ran was i'm walking because i can and when my cousin was dying who's actually a month and about 10 days younger than me. She has passed away from cancer. When I would go for a walk and lift weights, I would always think I'm doing this because she can't. And I still can because I am mortal. And so I need to be in observance. I need to honor my life because in this this time, this is this isn't going to always be here. And when I went through the breast cancer thing, it really was a great punch in the face to me that said, Hey, lady, hey, dumbass, go on the trip. Go on the trip. Give yourself a mohawk. Do the things because you are going to die. You're mortal. Honor your life. Because it's not always going to be here. And look, you can go back a couple episodes to, you know, your your spirit self doesn't even care if you're alive, which is very true. And, and I'll say it a billion times, none of this matters, but all of it matters none of it matters, but all of it matters. And what does that mean is that it really doesn't matter if I dance because I can come back and dance next time, right? I don't have to get the mohawk or the tattoo or whatever the thing is because I have another opportunity if I so in fact choose to come back because I believe in reincarnation based on everything that I've seen as far as past life regression and being a medium. Reincarnation is very real to me. So this isn't the end all be all. This experience is not My life as Meredith O'Brien Burge Willits is not the end-all be-all of what is. It is a blip on the radar. Your life is a blip on your radar, but it's also so deliciously important and not important at all. But it's so important and delicious and amazing and a playground of experience if you so, in fact, choose to look at it that way. If you honor your death, your mortality enough and look at it and shake hands with it and see it for what it is to allow you to begin living today, if maybe for the first time. It's like when you're a parent and you know, I always, so I have my oldest kid is 26 and my youngest is 11, right? So I've got a big span. And when I look at the way that my older kids are, you know, I talk to them, they visit, I visit them, you know, we might go on a trip together, whatever it is, but I really, they're very much in their own lives. And so, I'm starting to have perspective with the younger two, Emerson and Brock, who are 13 and 11, It is giving me perspective that they are going to also go live their own lives. And I'm not going to see them for Thanksgiving. I'm not going to see them for Christmas. I'm not going to be able to give them a hug every night. So the older, my older children are allowing me the perspective to honor the time with the younger ones. Cancer gave me perspective to honor my time of still being able to walk and run and go and dance and do. And unfortunately, because in the Western society, our perspective of death, our intimacy, our hands-off approach to death and dying and mortality it removes our appreciation for life. A funeral becomes just another pomp and circumstance rite of passage day where we have to check a bunch of boxes, shake hands, give hugs, you know, count the amount of flowers, send thank you cards, and remember our loved ones. And then we move on from that. Not becoming intimate with our mortality by way of watching another's passing. And I'm feeling actually right in this moment that this is hitting some of you, that this is kind of giving you a gut check of, yeah, I kind of am not really checking in with the beauty that is this life experience. And I did a podcast recently about the fact that if, you know, if you check out early, you're just going to have to come back, right? We, 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 we have such a difficult time in this life. So many of us, you know, I, I, I touch base with, I am in contact with people that do not want to be here. They do not want to live. And I feel that if we, had more of an intimate bond and connection and experience with true death, not this plasticized version of, you know, pink coffins and red carnations and silk liners of our loved ones laying inside of, and, you know, tidy green fake grass around a cemetery and how tall and, what's on the tombstone is very, very plasticized, right? It's very commercial. If our world, if our community, our Western world, the way we do things was more in line with and in touch with the dying process and death, and how it is real. Like This is what it looks like. This is what's going to happen to you. I think that suicidal ideation in the United States, in the Western world, would be much, much lower than it is at this time. Because we miss, we miss the in-between stages. We miss that. We don't see the actual dead body. We see a person laying in a coffin with a full face of makeup or a beautiful white and blue urn sitting on someone's thing. And there's not the beauty of the passing. We miss that. We miss those parts. We miss the difficulty of it, the sadness of it, the finality of it. We miss that. And so our children miss that. Our teenagers miss that. I remember when I was around 16, around that time, both of my grandfathers passed away. And within a short time of each other, I really don't even know, honestly. And I was a teenager. I was like in high school and my grandfathers passed away. My dad's dad died and my mom's dad died at two separate times. And I did not go to either funeral. I was just not included in that. What in the actual shit is that about? What are you protecting me from? Maybe if I would have went to one of those funerals, I wouldn't have been so, you know, thinking that suicide at age 16 was a great idea. Oh my God, my boyfriend broke up with me. I'm devastated. Let's kill myself. (sighs) And so we are stealing that, that intimate connection to death and realization of what death actually means to the human experience we t- we're stealing that from a lot of our kids i know a lot of people that are like oh i don't my kid doesn't need to go to a funeral yeah actually they do why are you taking a very significant part of the human experience away from children you know, there's a dead bird. What does that mean? Huh? It means it's dead. It's not coming back. We're putting it in the ground. That's what death looks like. So guess what? All those buddies that are flying around living bird life. See that you want to be a part of that while you can I think I, you guys, as I'm sitting inside of this talking, I'm like, this is actually really screwed up that we, we don't, we, I mean, we, we buy a new goldfish when the goldfish dies so that our kid doesn't know that their goldfish died, right? We, we, we do everything to steal the pain and the rite of passage of understanding and fully appreciating death from our children. And, and then we wonder why these kids are killing themselves left and right. Maybe it's because they don't fully appreciate life because they fully don't understand death. They've never been intimate with the dying and death process to honor how profound of an experience that is to them. And like, hey, yeah, watch grandpa died. Not cool. I don't think I ever visited. I know for a fact I never visited either of my grandfathers as a teenager when they were sick and dying. Why? Why? why, why was I not involved in that? Why was that not a part of my experience? I'm not judging my parents. They did the best they could. They, under, you know, that's what they thought was the right thing. Like Meredith doesn't want to see this. You know, this is a lot for a kid. Yeah, it is a lot for a kid. So is suicidal ideation. So is believing that I'm eternal maternal and, and in, the, in the human experience and that I've got plenty of time. I mean, one of my grandfathers, I think my grandpa died in his, I think I'm going to say mid sixties PS that's 15 years from now for me. So that's on the table. Right. And so many of us wait till they're 65 to retire and start living their life. Uh, No, don't do that. Cause you never know why are we stealing this from our kids? Why are we stealing the death experience and the dying experience from ourselves? Why are we not becoming intimate with death so that we begin to live a little deeper? I don't know if I talked about this. Uh, I know I thought it recently, but I was, I'm, I'm sure I did, but just in case you missed it, I'm going to say it again. I was on a walk and I love the smell of lilacs. And as I was walking for self-care, you could smell the lilacs. They're just everywhere in my town. You know, people use them as a as a bush, you know, around their house. Just oh, the smell. It's just absolute heaven. And as I was walking, I was thinking to myself, if I live to be 86, which is kind of the number I think about for dying, I get to smell lilacs bloom 37 more times. 37 more times. That's roughly once a day for a little over a month. Think about that. And that's if I live in an area that has freaking lilacs. If I move to you know, Arizona, I don't think they have lilacs there. I don't know where, I mean, I don't know what the the climate situation is here with lilacs, but what if I move to a place that doesn't have lilacs? I might only get to smell lilacs five more times in my life. What? Think about that. That's your mortality, people. Think about the things. Think about the beauty of going on a walk today and feeling the sun on your face appreciating the breeze, appreciating a delicious bite of food. And I know people are like, oh, Meredith, you're such an asshole. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, we are not stepping into our mortality and it is preventing us from living life the way that we should. My mom sends my brother and sister and I, This makes me emotional because it's so beautiful. But my mom sends a a text. She's fine, right? And she sends a text like every day. And it's like, I'm going to eat an apple today and going on a walk and I'm planting flowers. And I think of the beauty, the beauty of how she honors each day and she could have 20 years to live right i mean she could have 20 more years but she shook hands with death and she gets it she gets it there is no plan you know promise tomorrow she gets it she tastes it she sees it she honors it she honors her days She drinks her coffee with love and and gratitude. And it's beautiful. One of these days, we're all going to wish we had danced. We're going to wish we had gone on one more walk. We're going to wish we had given another hug, or danced in the kitchen, or used the good dishes, or burnt the candles. We're going to wish that we had fully appreciated and had gratitude for the life that we have been given, that we had signed up for, that we... We're not given that perspective because death has been taken from us and commercialized and taken so far from arm's length that we can't even touch it. It's not our gift. Death is a gift to the living and it has been stolen from us. It has been stolen from us. Do the math, guys. Put the age that you think you're going to live till. Start paying attention. How many more times will I go on a boat or on a trip? How many more good good years do I have to go walk, you know, the Great Wall of China? Or go to the top of the Eiffel Tower? Go to Alaska? Go to Norway? or Greenland or Iceland or whatever the hell. How many more good years do you have to learn how to go water skiing or snow skiing or roller skating, jumping on a jump rope? I thought I'd be able to do all this shit forever, to be honest with you. I never had timeline in my head. I never said to myself when I was 16 or 20 or 24, hey, just so you know, when you're in your late 40s, you're not going to be able to jump on a trampoline without wearing a diaper because you will pee your pants because you've had four kids and it's not going to go well. I didn't know that I had an expiration date on going on roller coasters because I would wish I was dead when I got off of it because I would be so sore. My neck would kill me and I'd feel like I'm going to throw up. I didn't know there was an expiration date to do the things. And I was pleasantly surprised when I went skiing this last couple of years, downhill skiing and even I don't know if I went water skiing. I think I just did knee boarding and I was able to still do it. I didn't know I had an expiration date and that it would be here so soon, which is why I'm so hell bent and focused on, you know, walking. I'm trying to walk an hour every single day or at least five days a week because it's not about also living long. It's about living well, drinking my water, eating vegetables, getting my weight in check, walking an hour every day because I can being healthy so that when I am 86, I just want to drop dead immediately. I don't want to linger or not be able to go and do all the things I want to do. I want to have a good long life, not just a long life. I want to be able to go for the walks and experience the lilacs. And I have been given the gift of perspective because of an illness, mine and others, but especially mine. And it really is emotional to me because it's such a gift that so many of us are not given is that perspective. We are not given the perspective. And so I hope as you listen to this podcast today, that you take the gravity of perspective that I am trying to portray the beauty of the years and of the day you have ahead of you and really get in touch with that. Get in touch with your mortality. I feel some of you shifting right now, getting excited about life, which I love. I love that. Go dance in the rain. I know it sounds so stupid, but you will feel so alive. Go for a walk in the rain with your kids. (laughs) Go to a concert and stand in general admission and dance and jump around and act like an idiot. Get the tattoo. Get the nose piercing. Get the purple hair. Go take a class, a ceramics class. Paint the picture. Write the story, sing the song, do what it is that you've been putting off all this time because you're going to do it tomorrow. Gain the perspective. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. If you know someone that could benefit from this, please send it to them. And if you haven't left a review, please do so. It really makes a difference. And I will see you guys here next week. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Much love. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to meredithwillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.